You know, it's really my privilege this morning to um, have a shot or another turn at preaching, all right, and just uh, encouraging the flock. That's us. Uh, we're doing this together. And uh, this morning, I just thought I would like to uh, share about one of the foundations of our Christian faith. Who wants really to live a successful life? Anybody in here? So there's six people. <laughs> you know, I want to be successful in everything I do, and I also want you to be successful in everything you do. Not just for the point that I'm a pastor, but that I know that God wants you to be successful. You know, at the end of his life, King Saul, the first king of the united Israel and Judah, said near the end of his life, I have sinned. Surely I have acted like a fool, and I have erred greatly. You know, what a waste. He had everything going for him, really. But at the end of his life, he failed, and he knew that he had failed. Contrast that to the Apostle Paul, who said at the end of his life, and you probably know these words, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now, actually, the Apostle Paul had it actually harder than King Saul. There's no way the Apostle Paul had an easy life, and I'm just going to put that up there for you if we work through that. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Now, can we just think about that a sec? You know, Christ... Our loving Savior was lashed 39 times before he went on the cross. Paul suffered that five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. You know, the time he was stoned, it just sounds, just words roll off our tongue. But the disciples thought he was dead. I mean, they did a good job of stoning him. They were carrying him outside, they were going to carry them outside and bury him. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been in danger from rivers, bandits, my own countrymen, Gentiles in danger in the city, the country, at sea, and from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Do you reckon that's a rough time? Anybody just want to put their hand up if they've lived half of that? <laughs> we haven't, have we? He did it rough. He did it rough. And all through that, you know, he still was successful. He still succeeded. He still fought the good fight. He still kept the faith, and he finished the race. You know, Job lost all his livestock and most of his servants, but he lost all his children as well in one go when the house collapsed on them. And I actually like what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that he tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the floor to worship. And it should come up there. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. And though he slay me, yet I will trust him. 
Now, those words are probably in your heart. Though he slay me, I will still trust him. What an attitude. All that he went through, Job's, Job still finished well. In fact, in chapter 42, as you get right through that book, it says, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had had before. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. And I want to say that if you feel that you've been stolen from, if you feel that the enemy has taken from your life up to now, pray that prayer. Say, Lord, bless me in my latter years more than my early years. And he will. And I want to help you to get there. Surely our aim is also to finish well. Let's pray. Lord, we just commit this time to you. And ask, Lord, I ask that you speak through me, and that this time will be a time of encouragement as we look into your word. I pray each one of us hears what you are saying to each of us as a church and as individuals. So bless this time together, we pray. Amen. So the question is now, how? How do we succeed? How do we live in health, succeed in business? Succeed in our communities, have enough money, not only for our own needs, but to be generous. How do we have peace in our homes and on our borders with our neighbors? How do we have success at school or in our studies? How can we be the best husband or the best wife or the best mother or father or just be the best friend? Or just be the best at whatever we want in our heart to do, sport, music, skateboarding. It doesn't matter. How can we be the best at that? Well, the answer is quite simple, and it's found in Psalm 1. It's just the application can be difficult. It says, Blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. In other words, that person has come out of their old lifestyle now. They've left that behind. But his or her delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He or she is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he or she does, what? Prospers. Whatever she does or he does, prospers. Here King Davis tells us that if we meditate on the Word of God, everything we will do will prosper. Everything. No boundaries. Whatever means no boundaries, no limit. It's not whatever. It's not that term. It's that whatever we do, we will be successful. What's the catch? It's actually knowing what is in the Bible. My concern as a pastor is that Christians are reading the Bible less and less and so don't know what it says and don't know how to step into victory. These days, many Christians don't have the time or inclination to read the Bible. Many other things are crying out for our attention. We know that. There's always the good intentions that I must read my Bible. And yet everything seems to pull us away. So rather than feeding on the Word of God for ourselves, 
We snack on things like radio. We catch something on TV. Um, or even the sermon overheads. Sometimes that's the only scripture people read is on a Sunday when they come to church. Most Christians understand that we should read the Bible. The hard part is doing it. Disciplining ourselves to read it regularly in an atmosphere where we can come to understand who God is and begin to see the benefits through reading the Bible. Now, I know I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to teach you to suck eggs, and I'm teaching myself as well. You know what I mean? I know that we struggle to spend quality time in the Word of God. And I don't want us to feel guilty about not doing it. I want us to want to be successful, so search it like you would search a manual if you were wanting to know something, or your cookbook if you were wanting to do well. And not that they're both the same. And of course, then there are some Christians who just don't want to read it. I gather most people here looked in the mirror this morning. Let me have a look. Some spent more time than others, I can see, in front of the mirror. <laughs> but the Bible is looking into the face of God. When we look in the Bible, we reflect into God, and He reflects into us. And, you know, that scares people. They are afraid the light of God's Word will expose their sin. But like Paul, God wants to sort it out and get you back on the right track. Paul wasn't doing a very good job. He was actually going around killing Christians. Now, that's pretty heavy stuff, all right? And whatever you are doing does not compare really to that, but it is still sin. But God met with him, sorted it out, and got him busy doing what he really should have been doing. Tell me. What do you do when you look in the mirror and see a pimple? <laughs> Come on, girls. <laughs> Happens on everybody. You, never, you don't say, I'm never looking in that mirror again, do you? And then go and hide the mirror under the bed. <laughs> you deal with it. And then you look beautiful again, don't you? Okay? so that you can look in the mirror again. And it's the same with the Bible. You don't afraid of it in case you open it and find something you're not doing wrong. You just deal with what you're doing wrong and whatever and get on with it. That's the point. That's how we deal with sin. And anybody, everybody else can see we're doing it, whether we don't, don't think God can see it. Everybody else knows, especially in a small town. Reading the Bible helps us, helps us with the errors of our ways, it helps us with avoiding errors, it helps us in every area of our life. But I want to just show you a video here, and just think about your relationship with your Bible. Let's just show a video. I'm 
It touches me. It brings me to tears. There are Bibles that are never read, never lost. When you've got nothing, that Bible's very important. When you've got everything, who needs a Bible? Some of you won't even know where your Bible is. But I want to encourage you to say, God's looking down. And those are the value that those Chinese in the underground church, when they got the Bible there, it changed their life. They were sniffing it. It was so precious before they even opened it. You know, I don't want to pick on anybody. I'm picking on myself as well, you know. What's more important? My motorbike? My fishing rod? My Xbox? I don't have an Xbox, but you know what I mean? What, what's more important than the Word of God? We're Christians. Christ came to live in us. Early in his ministry during the Sermon on the Mount, by the way, which is a hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee, Jesus told the story about two men, one who built... Stop doing that. One who built his house upon a rock, and the other who built his house upon the sand. The house built upon the rock weathered the storm, but the builder is called wise. But the house built on the sand collapsed during the storm, and the builder is called foolish. This was a simple story with no hidden meaning, and I'm sure we all know that sand is not a good foundation to build a house, let alone anything else. Especially living on a fault line, having a solid foundation makes complete sense here in New Zealand. But Jesus was not concerned about house construction. He wasn't concerned about the way we, he was concerned about the way we conduct our lives. And then it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Jesus is telling us that his words are the true foundation and that any other foundation is, as the song says, is shifting sand. No matter how good the house looks on the outside, it doesn't if it doesn't have the right foundation, it's only a matter of time before it begins to crumble. And Christians can look very good, especially in church. In fact, you guys look fantastic. I mean that. You look great. And you can probably hold that together for the hour and a half that you're here. <laughs> the Bible has been given us as a manual for life to help us in all situations 
to help us stay out of trouble. When Joshua finished his apprenticeship and took over the leadership role of leading the children of Israel into the promised land, God gave him clear instructions. Be careful, he says, to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. At the beginning of the book of Proverbs, Solomon tells us that Proverbs are for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. And I like what Paul says in Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. There's no way any of these writers are saying Christianity is going to be an easy, it's going to be a cakewalk at all. But what it is saying that if you just know what the Word of God says, God's going to help you be successful in everything, everything you do. Whatever you do, you will prosper. Did you know that you were born to succeed? Inside you, There is an inner desire, believe it or not, an inner drive to succeed in every every one of us. It's built into you. Let me remind you, you learned to crawl. You learned to walk. You learned to feed yourself, or most of you. You learned to eventually go to the toilet, in the toilet, even though some women will disagree. You learned a language. You learned to cross the road on your own. You must have. You're still here, all right? There's things that you just learned. Then through the influence of schooling or friends or family, you had a desire to learn higher skills, maths, driving, skateboarding, horse riding, physics, horticulture, lots of things. You learned it. It's in you. And when you asked Jesus into your life, you started to see things more and more from his point of view. And either you liked it, what he was saying, or you felt it cramped your lifestyle. Let's have a look at this uh, picture up here. Now, if you know anything about grafting, um, where you graft a, a branch into another branch, you know, to get more fruit, this here is grafting uh, fruit trees, and you'll notice the little picture on the right. And if we just keep that up there for a minute, this can talk about your life. This can be some of us in here. It looks fruitful, all right? And depending on how much you study the Word of God, you'll become more and more fruitful. But if you allow 5% of God influence in your life, you will be 5% successful. And if you allow God into your life 50%, you'll have success in 50% of what you do. But like the picture here, your flesh will also be bearing fruit. 
That's the difficulty with this. Let's say the godly side is the green apples and your fleshly side is the red apples. So when you graft a tree like that, you're still bearing fruit. And the children of Israel thought they were doing pretty well as well. And you know that they failed. They didn't get into the promised land. Their clothes didn't run out. Their sandals didn't wear out. God protected them. He gave them food. And there was a measure of blessing. So most Christians can go through life like this. They see the blessing of God, but they know their flesh is also producing fruit. So they're really only 50% successful. We should want to know what God has to say about our health or health. We should want to know what God has to say about money or about how to interact with people or how to manage easy times and tough times. Remember the children of Israel when they were on the plane? Moses went up the mountain. They had it easy. What happened? They fell into sin. So we need to know how to manage the easy times as well as the rough times. Otherwise, we'll look like this guy. Anybody? It's all right, Frank, it's not you. But you see, there's a measure of success. Here's Mr. Puniverse trying to lift a weight. And he has lifted it. That's pretty good. All right, if you've got those sort of muscles, he's done pretty well. And they have competitions for Mr. Puniverse. And so we can sometimes think we're doing pretty well. And that guy's probably going to win a prize. I think he's one of the winners in that competition. To succeed, we need to be strong, strong in the word and strong in life, like this person. Don't you agree? If anybody recognizes Pastor Sally Ann up there? All right, that's one-handed on the phone. Now, if you've figured out that they might be plastic, let's have a look at the next picture. That's not plastic. <laughs> you know, the book of Daniel says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That's what we need to do. We want to be at that place. In Galatians 2.20, it says, And I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's have a look at this next picture. This is what I'm saying. This is another graft. This is the Christian life. You're cut off. Your old life has been dealt with, all right? And out of that, Christ is able to grow. That's the tree that we should be looking at as a Christian life. It's God's fruit. We're successful in every area of our life. Every part of our life, we're successful. That's the graft. It's saying now, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. The life I live, I live by faith. And who? In Jesus Christ, who died and loves me. That's the next step. That's what we should be aiming at when we die to ourselves. 
And it's coming to see the Bible as the treasure trove it really is. Now, has anybody ever seen a pirate's treasure? Has anybody got any pirate's treasure? Give me a wave. You got a pirate's treasure? Yes, come and show us. Yeah, put it on here. Everybody recognize that? Thank you. You've seen, you've seen the movies where the pirate finally finds the treasure. But there's so much of it, he can't hold it all. And you've seen Jack Sparrow trying to get it into different parts of his jacket and different bits and pieces. And that's the Word of God. You've got to see it like this. You've got to see that it just runs through your fingers. You can't just hold it completely. But it's a treasure to you. It's important to you. You know... King David said, the laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey. Where's that? If we could have that verse up, number 17, that, um, please. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. You know, he went on to say, the word of the, is the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. And the law from my mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. King David was rich, but he saw the word of God as being richer. You want to be rich? You want to have a lot of money? You want to have so much money, you pour it out to others. You just got to search the Word of God and follow His ways. The Bible says, delight yourself in the law. And he, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. But do we believe this? Do we believe the Word of God when it says things like, be anxious for nothing? Do we actually believe that? Who worries in here? Who's a worrier? The Bible says be anxious for nothing. Give, and it will be given unto you. You think of a funnel. We think of a funnel. We think of a funnel that is upside down. A small hole at the top where the income comes in, and we've got all these bills to play, pay. But it's really the other way up. God wants to pour so much blessing into us if we will allow Him to do that. It says, the Word of God says, by His stripes we are healed. Do we believe that? Do we pray for people? Do we want to see miracles every day? Or do we just wait until we're feeling ill and then ask God to heal us? Step out in faith. Lay hands on the sick. Every opportunity you get. Give me a wave if you've prayed for somebody who's been unwell. Just give me a wave. Those people trust in the Word of God. 
It can be embarrassing sometimes because God doesn't always heal the people. But you're trusting in the Word of God. Good on you. There's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And what? And He will... Come on. And He will make your path straight. Yes, depend. All right? He will make your path straight. What's the best way to know God? It's spending time with Him. It's reading His Word. It's listening to His voice. And He will guide you into every area, and you will be successful in every area. I've given you the key to success. And the key is found in Psalm 1. Whatever you do will prosper. But you need to find the time to spend it in His Word. Just want to finish off with a story, and the band can come up as well, of a lovely Tuvalu man that I met. And he started coming to our church, and he was in New Zealand because um, he had kidney failure. He was a seaman um, because that's the major export in Tuvalu. They, a lot of the men go to sea. They are on a lot of the ships that go around the world. There's not much jobs on the islands of Tuvalu, but they um, become seamen. And, of course, they drink a lot as well. And then, so they end up with kidney failure in later in life. And he came to New Zealand to be, to be, go to hospital, you know, and to get on the road to recovery. But he came to Jesus. He came to know the Lord. And I went around to visit him, and he got out his Bible, and he hadn't read it. And I challenged him to say, to get to know your Bible. I said, I'm going to come back in one month. What I want you to do is go through this brand new, this pristine Bible. And start in Matthew, and see what God's going to say to you. When I went back a month later, and I'd give him a highlighter pen, and I said, I want to see, I was a bit tough on him. I said, I want to see what God's, highlight whatever God's spoken to you. And when I went back and we just, they gave me one chair in the house. There, were no, there was no furniture, just the one chair as a pastor to sit on. But I didn't feel comfortable in that. And I put it to side, sat on the floor with him, and I said, what's the Lord showing you? And he just was in tears. He just cried. I'm going to cry. <laughs> but, you know, He cried. Because he said, and he opened his Bible at Matthew, and he opened it to a verse, and he said, and he'd highlighted it, and he said, I wish I'd known this 45 years ago. 45 years ago, I wish I had read a Bible. I wish I'd opened it and knew this now. I wouldn't be in the predicament I'm in now. Don't wait. Don't wait to open your Bible. It'll help you to be successful in everything you do. I'm going to pray. You know your heart. Just bow your head. Lord, your word is a treasure. Your word has helped me over and over and over again.
Sadly, sometimes, Lord, I've used it as the spare tire in the boot. When I've got into trouble, I've gone and got the spare tire out. But more and more, Lord, you've showed me that it needs to be the steering wheel in my life. And I pray for everyone here. I pray that they can actually picture their Bible somewhere in their house. And Lord, I, I don't want this word to be a con condemning word. I want, and as you want, everyone in this room to be successful in all that they do. But Lord, it's just becoming a dying art to read the word of God. And so I just want to encourage everyone in this room to make a decision now, to make a decision right this minute that that's going to change. That will become like that grafted tree. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. The life I live now, I live by faith in the one who died and who loves me. Lord, help the Word of God to be important to us. Help us to share it with one another. Help us to be excited about the verses you show us, excited enough to talk about that with others. Encourage us each, I pray, in your precious name. Amen. Amen.